Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's great to see you guys. Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Humphreys. I'm not Yami. Uh, a lot of people confuse us a lot. Uh, I remember last, uh, I think last year, uh, so we have this festival called the Ufulu Festival. Uh, and Ufulu means uh, freedom. And we do it on 6th July. So it's coming up next month. Uh, actually, this year we are trusting God for 25,000 young people that would come. So be praying for that. But Yami, our pastor, is also a DJ, as you know, some of you know, DJ Kali. And, uh, you know, so he went upstage and he was doing his thing, you know, DJing. And then he gets off stage. Um, and then this young person comes to me uh, and they say, that was dope, man. That was dope. That was great. I was like, yeah, it was, right? Yeah, you're a fantastic DJ, man. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, come on, I gotta, you know, I gotta feel this moment. Uh, and, and he took himself with me. Uh, I, I don't know, probably he was like hanging out with DJ Carly or whatever, you know. Uh, but yeah, so it was, it was absolutely amazing that Oscar just sort sort me out properly. Yeah. Oh, thanks, dude. You look That's... like a one-eyed... Oh, I look like a one-eyed person, yeah? <laughs> thanks, Oscar. Appreciate that. I think this is actually much better. Yeah, so as I said, my name is Humphreys Mkandawire. I'm the lead pastor at Flat Church in Lilongwe. Uh, and um, it just happened last year where we went through a massive transition as a church. Uh, our pastor, Sean Camponden, who has been the lead pastor for 10 years, uh, he went on a year-long sabbatical. Actually, that will be coming to an end this month. Uh, and so we did a transition when I took over as the lead pastor. And God has just been faithful uh, into our church community there. And uh, this morning I'm seeing some familiar faces. Joy, it's good to see you, Maui. Yeah, these guys have just, uh, I know for Maui just moved here. Um, this was actually our dream because most people would come to flood, to Blantyre, but not have a flood church. And uh, how amazing it is that we have a flood church here. And in August, this church will be clocking four years. So it's amazing, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I've been working for Flood Church. I've been on staff for 10 years and a half, uh, and has been really amazing. I got really just attracted to the mission uh, of Flood Church, uh, because for those that don't know, the name Flood comes from Joel chapter 2, verse 28, which says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and the, you know, the young men and the young women will prophesy, and those that are older will dream dreams. So the, the pouring out of God's spirit, that is seen as the flooding of God's spirit. So that's where the name flood comes uh, from. And, uh, you know, because there's the pouring out of God's spirit, um, it shows. So this is, uh, you know, the flood logo, the famous flood logo. We call this the fripo uh, because, uh, you know, the... You know, when you throw a stone into the river, there is the you know, ripple effect. That's what's going on right there. You know, you throw in the, uh, the flood, so we're in the center, and we want to affect, you know, our communities. Uh, we want to affect our communities. And one of the biggest questions that we ask uh, as, as, a, as a church is, if flood church was not around, if flood church was to go today, would people blunt and miss it? You know, would people blunt and miss this church community? And that's kind of like one of the biggest uh, questions that we are wrestling with. This is why our mission, maybe we can say this together, is saving the city in love and faith 
through authentic connections to develop a movement of hope-filled people rooted in Yesu. And that's what it is, you know. With that is how can we be a community that is affecting, you know, our communities, our city, you know, that people can have, can feel that, you know, flood effect, the ripple effect. And by the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, we, we are wanting to do this. You know, to be authentic in how we are relating with people, saving the city in love and faith with authentic connections to develop a movement, a movement of hope filled with people rooted in Yesu. And, and, uh, and that will kind of be the center of our message uh, this morning. Uh, and today we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21. If you are able uh, to stand, I'll ask you to stand with me as we read the word of God together this morning. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Please just pray with me and, and just put your arms open in front of you. Uh, this is a posture of surrender, but it's also a posture of openness. God, we thank you for your goodness. We are open to you and we surrender to the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. It is better to live dependent on others than to live independent but disconnected. It is better to live dependent uh, and connected than to be independent and disconnected. And, and the heart of this message is, you know, how can we live intentionally so in our world so that other people can see Jesus? How can we live intentionally to help our world see Jesus. There are three ways that we can choose to live our life. There are three ways that we can choose to live our life. Number one is living a life of reclusion. Living a life of reclusion. This is when we build walls around us. We build walls around us and uh, often you know this act is uh, driven by fear. It's driven by, it could be fear of uh, you know, rejection. Maybe you're thinking, if I go out there, people might reject me. Uh, if I go out there, people will not listen to me. Uh, you know, I might be driven by fear of failure. You know, what if I don't do so well? Uh, what if I don't know what to say? So we build these walls around us. And uh, we have this mentality, as long as things are good with me and Jesus, we are good. That's what it is. Uh, just this year, uh, most of you heard 
of the injustices that have been happening towards the persons with urbanism. Uh, uh, and, and since May, uh, since November 2014, uh, there's been a, around 168 cases against persons with urbanism, and uh, 23 people have died, 14 have gone missing, and we don't know where their bodies are. And these issues were coming up, and actually this issue has been around for a while, but for the, for the last kind of like two, three years, and, and mainly this year, uh, there's been a lot of voices you know, coming out. And uh, I remember that it took me a while. It took me a while to say anything on it. It took me a while to uh, even pray about it. It took me a while to say where I'm standing with this issue. And uh, I was reflecting on the day that I actually said something about it publicly, uh, on Facebook, in our church community that week. Uh, I was just you know, reflecting on why was I silent. Why was I silent this whole time? And I realized that I was afraid. I was afraid to feel the pain. I was afraid to mourn the pain that the you know, persons with urbanism were facing or are facing in our country. Because the thing is, you know, if I was going to talk about it, my heart was going to be broken by it. And I was going to mourn this issue. I was going to mourn the sin. I was going to mourn the injustice. And what happens is when we begin to mourn the injustices that are around us, we begin to feel that. And then we begin to also see the part, how, the part that we play in the injustice. And I didn't want to feel that. I didn't want to see my own part. How am I involved in this injustice? I was quiet. So I didn't want to face that pain. I didn't want to feel that. Because, uh, you know, when you feel that pain, pain is an invitation. It invites you to check what's wrong, what's happening here. And when, when it invites you to see what's happening here, then you have to take action. And I was afraid to take action. So I stayed quiet. I built an emotional wall. It cannot be that issue for you, but you could be building walls that you don't want people to enter into your life and see what's really going on with you, what's really happening in your life so you can choose to be isolated and you don't want anybody else to come into these walls. You have built a fortress for yourself. So that could be one way. And you, know, you could be a Christian, a believer, and you're saying, as long as things are good with me, as, as long as I'm reading my Bible, as long as I'm praying, I'm good. I don't need to go and face the world out there. You know, this is between just me and God. So you can live that life, you know, living a life of reclusion. And the second way that we can choose to, to live our lives is living a life of retaliation. Living a life of retaliation. Yeah. Now, um, you know, this is kind of like a way of where you're wanting to, to build, you're wanting to win people uh, using crafty and uh, clever arguments. You know, you're wanting to win the world around you. You're wanting to, you know, bring people to know about God, to know about Jesus, but you're using clever arguments. You're using the worldly ways. Uh, so you develop a, a mentality of uh, them versus us, or me versus them. And the problem with this is you, you tend to 
to be a fault finder. You know, so you blame others. You are looking into what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with those people, what's wrong with that person, and I'm going to correct it. I'm going to make it right. So you bring out these clever arguments. The problem with that, other people might see you as uh, disagreeable, argumentative. Uh, they might see you as a fighter who's just wanting to prove a point, to prove that they're right and they're good. And that is not the way of Jesus. First uh, Peter 3 verse 15 reminds us, it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Do this with gentleness and respect. You see it all on all over social media, you know, people kind of like involved in these, I know, clever arguments and wanting to leave. I'm a Christian. I'm going to fight for what is right. But the way that we are doing it does not have this spirit of gentleness and respect. This is a way living a life of retaliation. I remember there was a time in my life when, um, so I came to know Jesus when I was 12 years old. And uh, at 13 years old, I moved out of my parents' house. Uh, I went to stay with this friend of mine who was mentoring me. And uh, my mentor, he said, you know what, maybe it would be great for you to live with me. And, uh, you know, we, we are a good team together. We can, uh, you know, show the world, you know, who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. I was like, you know what, I like this. Let's do this. So I moved out of my parents' house when I was 13. How cool is that? And uh, boom, out. And, uh, and I was staying with this uh, friend of mine, and uh, he was amazing uh, because when I came to know Jesus, I, I really came to God kind of like out of fear uh, because the guy who was preaching to me was also quite young, uh, like maybe 12 years old, preaching about Jesus in school, and he was talking about hell. Like, you know what? You're going to die in hell. In fact, what happens in hell is that, you know, your bones will start burning first. And then it will be your bones burning your flesh. Now, nah, I was like, whoa, who wants, who wants that, you know? That's scary, isn't it? So I was like, I don't want that. I want to come to Jesus. Uh, but the good thing with having this mentor kind of like helped me realize that I need to come to God because of love and not because of fear. Uh, so, you know, he was mentoring me, but came a time where he had to come to a Bible school. He had to go to Bible school. And in fact, he came here to the city of Blantyre. So he left me in the house alone. Um, by this time before he left, we were preaching, you know, in hospitals. We were preaching in the markets. Uh, do, do you guys have here in Lilongo, we have people that stand on the side of the road. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like you can't even hear what they're saying, but they're preaching. Yeah, do you guys have those here? Yeah. In Lilongo, we have them, kind of like on the side of the road, you know. So I was that guy uh, doing that stuff, you know. I was that guy, and you know, we were like, just anybody else that I'll come in, into contact with, I want them to know about Jesus, I want them to know about God. So this friend of mine has come to Blantai, I'm alone in Lilongwe, and uh, a friend of mine one time did ask me, he said, hey, uh, I have a brother who is in town, can he come and stay with you because since your friend is gone to Blantai, I was like, oh sure. Is he a believer? I said, no, he's not a believer. I said, okay, this is an opportunity that I can tell him about God. I can tell him about Jesus. So I said, you know what, bring him in. So he came. And, and when he came, I said, hey, 
you know, before we go to bed tonight, I would just want to share with you the gospel. So, you know, I started preaching John 16, John 3 verse 16, you know, just telling him about the love of God and telling him about Jesus and how everybody should come to know Jesus. So I said to him, uh, are you ready to make a decision now to come and follow Jesus? Now, that question was not really a question. It was like, I want you, you know, to make a decision now to follow Jesus. Uh, and this guy said, no. Now, I've never been in this situation when I've preached. And somebody else says, no, you know. I'm like, what? Okay, you know, uh, let's do this all over again. So I read the scriptures again and started preaching to him again. I said, no, let's do this. So we are two hours into this preach. And then I said, okay, I hope now you're understanding. Uh, are you ready to receive Jesus Christ to be a personal Lord and Savior? And the guy said, no, again. I said, okay, maybe another verse would help. And this guy clearly didn't want to, to follow God that night. So I say, you know what? Um, in fact, this house is a pastor's house. Uh, so if, if non-believers can come here, that will send a wrong message to the world. Um, so, you know, either you receive Jesus or else. <laughs> and this, this time, probably around 11 p.m., that we are, we are like, you know, I'm with this guy, uh, you know, t telling him about Jesus. And, and then uh, the guy said, okay, what if you just pray for me now, then in the morning we can talk about it more? <laughs> so... <laughs> So uh, I said, yeah, but that's not enough. You have to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And uh, he, uh, you know, you could see the frustration on his face. But for me, the way I was seeing it, I was like, the Holy Spirit, where, where is the Holy Spirit in this situation? That this man's heart is so hardened that he cannot receive the, the word of God. So I said, okay, let me pray. But in the morning, first thing, we're going to talk about this. So I prayed, we go to bed. In the morning, the guy was gone. Uh, was, not, was not there. Uh, but the sad thing about that is that it destroyed our relationship. It destroyed my relationship with my friend because uh, the question was, why are you forcing this Jesus on this person? And first of all, I was not gentle and I was not respectful. And in fact, this guy was older than me. Uh, and even in our context, just Malawians, you know, you respect those that are older than you. Uh, so even in the way that I was, uh, you know, telling uh, about Jesus to this guy was really, sorry, uh, was really a very destructive way uh, and was not respectful at all. You know what I was doing there? I was busy, wanting to win a point, but I was losing a person. And in fact, I lost that. Person. I don't know what God did with that. Sometimes God can use those crazy moments, but God wants us to do, wants us to be a people that will tell others about Christ. Now, telling others about Christ is great. In fact, I want to encourage you to do that more. Um, even we see it even in this very passage, but we got to do it in a way with, uh, that exhorts Jesus Christ, in a way that's respectful and that's gentle. Verse 19 uh, says that God was, reconciled to, was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Not counting people's sins against them. The heart of Jesus is not of condemnation, but that of grace. 
Jesus Christ is the only human being that is full of truth and full of grace. Jesus Christ would come to you and say, you are a sinner. But he would also say, I will die for you. That, that, that's the definition, ultimate definition of what it means uh, you know, to be full of truth and full of grace. So, this way of a retaliation is not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of Jesus. So what is the way of Jesus? Uh, and the way of Jesus, the better way, is living a life of reconciliation. Living a life of reconciliation. This is the way of Jesus. And uh, I just want to read, uh, you know, verse 18 and 19. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Uh, and he has, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The way of reclusion and uh, retaliation, that's the, that's the behavior of the, of the old way. But the new way, the, the new cre creation that we have in Jesus Christ is built on, this, on the way of Jesus Christ. This is not counting people's failures or mistakes against them. This is the way of not building walls, but tearing down walls to allow others to come in. The way of repairing broken relationships. The way of mending those relationships. This is the way of the incarnation. Now, reconciliation, uh, you know, when you, get, when you think about reconciliation, think about, you know, repairing uh, or, or mending, making something right, uh, bringing it back to the way that it was. And scripture says that we are being reconciled to himself through Christ. We are being reconciled to himself through Christ. And what does that mean? It means God is bringing back the relationship. He's putting us in the right place and making the relationship that we have with him to be the way that it should be. To be the way that it should be. And through Christ, our sins have been forgiven and we have a better connection with God. And what is the implication of that? The implication of that is that now... Christ, now God, has given us both the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Both the ministry and the message of reconciliation. That's what I would like you to get. Reconciled people live reconciled lives. Reconciled people live reconciled lives. And how does Jesus go about his business of reconciling others to, me, to himself? How does he do that? He does it. You know, he uses us and he wants us to be a part of this work that he is doing. So he says, you know what, I'm going to give you both the ministry and the message of reconciliation. And Christ wants you to be a part of that. He wants you to be a part of that. This is the way of the incarnation. Jesus Christ came into the world. He left his comfort and he came into the world to be with us and to be a part of us. To be with us and to be a part of us. Now, if he came and he was, you know, full of condemnation, or he built walls for himself, we could not have been here. We couldn't even have been saying that we believe in Jesus. But he didn't want to stay and build walls for himself. He didn't want to use retaliation, but he said, there's a better way. 
the way of reconciliation. And God wants us to be a part of that. God is in the business of bringing people, bringing people into connection with him. Now, when we are going about helping others know about Jesus Christ, we have to remember that we are not reconciling these people to us, but to God. Even though sometimes when you restore a relationship with someone else, that in itself leads to God. But I want to say that, as scripture says, that he does this in Christ. He does it in Christ, and he wants us to be a part of that to be a part of it. It means it does revolve around Christ. It doesn't revolve around us, but it does revolve around Christ and it depends on him. It depends on him. I don't know what your situation is. Some of you, maybe right now, you are in, uh, in very broken relationships that need mending, And probably you got to be the first one that says, you know what, I know the truth. I know that he has given me the ministry and the message. And the ministry and the message, this is to do with what we do and what we say. What we do and what we say. So maybe we need to begin to take steps so that that, re uh, that reconciliation can happen. Now, reconciliation should not be driven by fear, but it should be driven by love. Because that's what it is. Jesus Christ loved us so much and still loves us and will always love us. For God so loved the world that he gave his begotten son. He was not afraid that there will be a time when some people will reject him, including his friends. That Peter would reject him three times. But he was not afraid because he was driven by love. He was not afraid that there will be a time that even the very people that we call to be religious will be the ones that will hand him over to the authorities to be crucified. He knew about all of that. But he was not driven by fear to reconcile people to himself. He knew that he was going to die on the cross. But he was not afraid of that. Because he knew the joy that was before him. Reconciliation. Which was being driven by fear. He knew he was going to be in the grave for a couple of days. But he was not afraid with that. Therefore, we should not be driven by fear, but we should be driven by love. Because when you're being driven by fear, guess what's going to happen? We're going to start to build walls, or we're going to retaliate, because we are thinking they're against us. But reconciliation is driven by love. Driven by love. Now I'm not saying there's no risk of failure, or making mistakes. You make mistakes, you will fail. But we know that love, that's what drives us. So, how can you live this life practically? I just wanted to give us a couple ways how we can live this life practically. Number one, start paying attention to the people you come into contact with. Start paying attention to the people you come into contact with. The problem is, if you stop paying attention to the people that you come into contact with, you stop noticing them as people. So when you bank bananas on the side of the road, you're going to say, a banana guy. No. When, you, when, you, when you're buying tomatoes, you're going to say, the tomato guy. When you're buying rice on the side of the road or in the market, you're going to say, that rice guy. Because you're not noticing them as people. So begin to pay attention. Begin to pay attention to start noticing those people. To start noticing people as people. 
uh, someone else did an, uh, an, an experiment uh, where they had, um, they had people that would go through this tunnel. I think it could have been like on a bridge. Uh, would go through this tunnel, go out through the other side, and they put beggars. And uh, so they would uh, take a person that's related to the guy that will pass through. So they were just doing this experiment. And, uh, you know, they would have these beggars and they would be begging in there. And one of them would be their relative. And when they get on the other side, they'll say, yeah, so, yeah, did you notice anything? No. No, they're just a bunch of beggars in there. Oh, okay. All right. And they're every single person. And then they'll say, did you notice your brother? Did you notice your sister? Like, no. And then they'll bring them out and they'll be shocked. Like, what? What's really going on? Now, I'm not saying you should go out and begin to dish out money to beggars. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, I encourage it's better people give to the organizations that are helping out people on the streets. But we can just easily pass by each other and not really notice people as people. Not really notice people as people. Number two. Be the one that initiate conversation. Be the one that initiate the conversation. So pay attention and then be the one that initiates a conversation. And this will help you, uh, you know, this will open up for you to be more welcoming. You know what's going on with my neighbor and you're the one that's saying, and, Hey, how are you? It's good to see you. Be that, be that person. Hey, bye! You know, be that person that is establishing connections because if you have that attitude of I want to connect with this person, I want to connect with that person, you're going to be more welcoming. So you are the one that asks me, hey, do you want to meet up for coffee? Do you want to meet up for a meal? Do you want to come to my house? Do you want me to come over? In fact, actually here, we don't, we don't even say, do you want me to come? You just, you just show up, you know, the Malawi style. Just show up. You know, so you'll be the guy that, you'll be the person that just shows up in people's homes, you know. So be the one that initiates. What I found is that when we are intentional in making connections, it's going to help us to also be more accountable. You know why sometimes like, we can do whatever we want to do in our jobs? You know, treat people uh, like you know, we don't care about them? It's because we don't care about our weakness. You know, if you would care about your weakness, you would make those connections and therefore you'd be intentional in how you live your life. So when you are connecting with more people, it will help you to check yourself. How am I living my life? Will the way that I'm living my life jeopardize the witness that I have around me? Because if I go to somebody and I say, hey, my name is Humphreys, uh, and then we're chatting and we are talking, and then it comes up that I'm a Christian, that I'm a believer. You know, I want to live in a way that you know, will protect my witness with this person. But if we are not paying attention, if we are the ones that are building walls and wanting to go out there, have conversations, have authentic relationships, you know, we, you know, we are not going to be accountable. So we can do whatever we want to do. You know, we can just be as corrupt as the world is. You know, we can be the ones that steal in our workplaces. We can be the ones that cheats in our relationships. We could be the ones that just live as the way leave, the world lives. We could be the ones that are mean on social media because we don't care about our witness. 
We don't care about it. So be the one that initiate connection. Be the one that initiate conversation. And I want to encourage you, most especially, to start doing this to the people that uh, you know are different. You know, the people that you know don't look like you, to the people that don't smell like you, don't speak like you, don't believe like you. Because Christ in His work of reconciling people, and we ourselves, we are not like Him, but He made us to be like Him. Amen. And now I want to encourage you to serve. I want to encourage you to serve. Be the people that serve others and do that lovingly. Do that cheerfully. You know, serve the people that are around you. We were having a conversation one time and we realized that um, the conversation that came up was that Christians were not being involved in their communities. For some reason, they were not being involved in their communities. They would just say, this is for them. Also, like going, you know... Um, Kind of like seeing what's happening around us. Uh, you know, they're, they're not the ones, they're the ones giving instructions, but not being the ones that are actually getting their hands dirty. So let's serve uh, those people that are around us because it is through service that other people will see the heart of God. Now, why are you paying attention? Why are you connecting with people? Why are you serving people? It's because eventually you want to see God's work happen in them. Because as scripture says, as scripture says here, that we ourselves have been given this ministry of reconciliation and the message of reconciliation. How then are we going to have opportunities where we can exercise the ministry of reconciliation? How then are we going to have opportunities if we are going to you know, give this message of reconciliation if we are not connecting with those that are around us? Some of the questions that have personally been coming to me is, when I, when I talk to people, when I connect with people, and are those people moving out of my presence more hopeful? Are they, or maybe are they glad that I've left them alone? Thank God he's gone. <laughs> Just the first guy. <laughs> Just the first guy probably did that. You know, thank God he's gone. So ask yourself, are those around you, those that you come into contact with, more encouraged because you've been with them? Are they more encouraged because you've been with them? Do those that you come into contact with feel more valued when they leave your presence? Do they feel more valued when they, when, when they leave your presence? Because if they're saying, oh, he's coming back, oh, running away from us, there's something wrong with us. You know, sometimes we can just, um, you know, sometimes it's not persecution that people are running away from us, but we just mean that we are not living well. So may we allow Jesus Christ to work in us. May we allow Jesus Christ to help us that we can live with this mentality that we have the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Let's pray together. Jesus, I uh, want to say thank you for your goodness and thank you for your mercy, Lord. Um, for in you, God, we have hope and uh, in you, God, we, we've been reconciled to Jesus. And help us, God, to live lives of reconciliation.
to live lives that exhort Jesus above all. So I thank you, Lord. I worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just like the moon reflects the light of the sun, we are the moon reflecting the light of the Son of God. And, and I wanted you to just take, practically take a moment right now, like just write down three names or just have three names, whether on your phone or on a piece of paper, uh, people that you're going to pray with this week and you're going to make intentional connection with them. Um, you know, just three names that, you know, think about. Think about those that are around you. It could be somebody that you meet on the market or at your workplace. Just three names, uh, you know, of people that you can think about. Uh, and then, you know, we're just going to start here to just bring them to God. Just pray for them, but also to pray for ourselves. That God help us, help us, give us the grace as uh, we are making these intentional connections. Amen. So let's, uh, if you're able, we can stand together and just worship God one more time. And that will be our time today.